Well, hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the finish line. Well, I hope you guys are having a blessed day, because I know I am, because a day is a day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And, and God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. So I would like to apologize to you yesterday. I know I was trying to test something out with the sound quality. Um, I would like to apologize. Uh, there's some technical difficulties that I did not expect uh, that would happen. Uh, and I promise you, I was all coherent and it is all God is good. You know, sometimes we go through that and we just have to test something out. If we don't like it, then we don't like it. If we love it, we stick to it. So we are back on the regular programming. You know, I think it's important that we understand uh, winning. You know, what is it like when we win? You know, there's a book that I'm reading right now. It's called uh, I'm Broken, and it is by William Cope uh, Moyers. It's a documentary about his life. And it's interesting because each and every single one of us has a battle. Now, that battle can be an addiction. That battle can be in our mind. That battle can be our nervousness that we face. So the question for you that I have is, what is your battle? And how do you conquer your battle? And if so, what's your game plan? Because I'm sure you love to win, and, and so do I, especially when it comes to winning money or winning a lottery or even winning a game for your favorite sports team. So with this in mind, we're going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive right on in. Dear Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, Lord. Lord, I am so blessed to be a child of yours. You have watched over our hearts. You have watched over us, Lord. I pray that no matter what happens, we win the battle in our mind. Or we start finding a game plan to win. Because you are a merciful Father. May you guide us as we continue through this day. And I pray that you just provide a hedge of protection over our hearts and a hedge of protection over us. Because you are a merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So, we're going to start off and talking about Proverbs 23, and verse 1. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat. If you are a man given to appetite, do not desire his... Uh, de, uh, de, I'm, so, I, I, I'm so sorry about that. I'm having a hard comprehension or understanding. Oh, deceptive. Don't un, um, And do not fall for his deceptiveness. And verse 3. Do not wear yourself to get rich. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. So pretty much what it's stating is do not wear yourself out to the point of getting rich. Because there's always something to be proud of. There's always something to be working towards. And that's not, sometimes it's not about getting rich. Sometimes it's just about glorifying God. And and it's interesting because there are times in my life where I feel like if I wanted to achieve something, I felt like I had to work for it. I felt like I had to achieve it and I feel like I had to be somebody that I'm not, which is a major issue. And it states in verse 5, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. 
for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky an angel like an angel do not eat the food of a begirding or begrudging host do not cave his uh, cave into his deceptiveness for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost eat and drink he says to you but his heart is not with you you will vomit up the little you have eaten and you will have wasted his compliments do not speak to fools for they will scorn your prudent words do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless for their defender is strong and he will take up their case against you verse 12 of 23 apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge that is a hard concept for me to understand of applying your hearts to instruction <clears throat> make sure that we are willing to stop and listen to what somebody states stop and be willing to acknowledge of what we did and be willing to learn from our mistakes amen and amen do not withhold discipline from a child if you punish them with a rod they will not die punish them with a rod and save them from death verse 15 my son if your heart is wise then my heart will be glad indeed my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right do not let your heart envy sinners but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. And there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. <clears throat> Verse 19. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine, or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and glutens become poor, and dourness clothe them in ranks or rags. Dourness. Listen to your father, who gave you life, and do not despise your mother, when she is old. Buy, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May, our, may your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit, and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she sells or she lies in wait and multitudes the unfaithful among men. Verse 29, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, and who has complaints, who has needless bruises, who has bloodshot, bloodshot eyes, those who linger over wine, 
who go to sample vows are mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, in bits, it bites it like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When I wake, when will I wake up so I can find another drink? And of course, we're going to, there's this other, um, this other chapter is in second Corinthians chapter five is another, uh, a, a beautiful or another majestic Bible verse or um, not Bible verse, a chapter in the Bible talks about winning the battle and starting the, the battle to win our own battles in our life, coming up with a game plan. And, and I think in, in Proverbs 23, like what we read, it gives us a, a game plan. It allows us what we should watch out for and what we should pursue. In verse 1 of Second Corinthians chapter 10, we read, By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid, will face to face, when face to face with you, but bold toward you went away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they will have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every uh, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And when we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and when we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your disobedience is complete. You are judging by appearance. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that we are in our letters when we are absent. We will be, our, we will be in our own actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves 
and compare themselves with, with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will conf- we'll confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, so that be the, so that would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel to the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Amen. And I meant, now, you're wondering, man, Sasa, that was a lot of reading. How does this correlate with our, our winning the battle or coming up with the game plan? Well, in these next couple days, seven days or so, we're going to be taking a look at winning the war in your mind. Because there's a spiritual warfare going on, and there's a, a, war, a, a battle, a physical war that's going on around the world, and there's also a war going on in your mind. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are, or what we do is in contrary to what we do, or we act in a certain way. You might read and think, I'm being an overly dramatic individual using hyperbole to get your attention. But this is no exaggeration. Because our lives, and I'm going to go back to the quote that this uh, individual um, who founded this plan is, uh, you're more than welcome to find this on winning the war in your mind. That's what we're going off of. And he's a pastor. But he brings up a really good point. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Isn't that scary to think about? Thinking that if your strongest thought, and this brings me to the book that I kind of reached off of with William Cope, is how the addiction, when we battle addiction, or when we battle sin, or anyone that's battling right now, is that their main focus, their strongest hold is the addiction. And they'll do anything. They'll even lie to get through. That is a sad state of mind to be in. And that's why, you know, we continue to go through and make sure that we focus our stronghold upon Jesus Christ. So we center our lives around him. Our lives do follow the direction of our thoughts. The better we grasp the, the better that we grasp that truth, the better equipped we'll be to change the trajectory of our lives. But don't take my word for it. Both the Bible and modern science provides evidence that is true. So throughout the Bible plan and throughout this week, we will unpack both scriptures and what we've learned from scientific research. 
And here's a quick example of what we could be looking at through these next couple days. In Philippians 4.8, the Apostle Paul writes, finally, brother, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So it's interesting because there's three sentences that I kind of, that he breaks down and I would actually agree with him on these three sentences or three words. It is thought, action, and experience. Think about number one is thought. Think about such things. Think about the plans in your life. Think about the struggles you're going through. Action. Put it into practice. By putting it into practice, you're acknowledging, for instance, if you're battling with alcoholism or if you're battling with an addiction, acknowledge that it is a problem that you have to face. That is your Goliath. And experience. That's the third step. It's experience. It says, the God of peace will be with you. When we acknowledge the practice and when we put into practice by overcoming the big stumbling block, we then have experience, and that is with the peace of God that he gives us. The experience of breaking peace, breaking away from that addiction for that we've grasped on for many years, and staying away from that addiction, not only uh, breaking away from it. And because at the end of the day, Paul tells us that our thoughts shape our lives. It truly does. In recent years, an entire discipline of our modern psychology has developed called cognitive behavioral uh, therapy. This breakthrough teaching reveals that many problems from eating disorders to uh, relational challenges, addictions, or e and even some forms of depression and anxiety are rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. Treating those problems begin with changing that thinking. And it's interesting because we also continue in Proverbs 23, 7 that I kind of love is that for he, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Which science is demonstrating today what has God told us through Solomon. That's what science is talking about is through Proverbs 23, 7. So if both the Bible and modern science teach us that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Then we need to ask ourselves, do I like the direction my thoughts are taking me? Realistically, do I like my thoughts of going home, drinking, or going home and doing some kind of a drug that is addictive? Do I like that? Or do I want to break through it? Do I want to break through it and mend the relationships I've damaged through my addiction? Do I want to open up to a person that I've been battling with? Do I want to confront my accountability partner and say, hey, you know what? I messed up. I need prayer. I need you to help me and guide me along the way. And so if you're skeptical, that's okay. Believe me, I get it because I used to be that person. We've all tried unsuccessfully to change bad habits and force our runaway train to um, a thought back onto the right track. But this time, you're not alone. You are about to discover this week 
that God will team up with you to transform your thinking. With God's help and his guidance, you can transform and renew your mind. You can stop believing the lies from sin and from other people that hold you back. Because you can end the vicious cycle of thoughts that are destructive, don't get me wrong, to you and to others. You can allow God to renew your mind by saturating you with his unchanging truth. And with this in mind, we're going to end it with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in the reverence of you, Lord. We're so blessed to be called your child. Lord, I am so gracious to be protected by you. Lord, you have watched over my heart. And I just pray, as anyone that's battling with addiction, I just pray that you can help them to straighten out their thoughts, to help them adjust their thinking. Instead of having their addiction or instead of having their problem as a stronghold, I pray that you can uh, focus, have them focus on you as a stronghold. That they can focus on you and strengthen their relationship with you. And that they, by strengthening the relationship with you, they can find a true peace. So that they can continue on the path that you have set before them. So that when we cross the finish line, Lord, we can run into your arms and we can hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I hope you guys have a blessed day. And remember, God loves you. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Bye. Mm-hmm.